0: Welcome to Keep the Republic with Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Keep the Republic is brought to you by the Political Action Committee, Conservatives of. And now, here's Daniel. Wow, wow, wow. The drive-by media, as Rush Limbaugh would say, is doubling down on their efforts to smear constitutional conservatives. Greetings, welcome. Daniel Bobinski here, editor of True Idaho News. Thanks for tuning in to Keep the Republic. What Rush Limbaugh would say, drive by media, how how much they are twisting facts and lying as they are pushing to indoctrinate their viewers into thinking that constitutional conservatism is a bad thing. And their latest efforts, especially here in Idaho's Treasure Valley, are to attack Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan, Representative Dorothy Moon, and the Idaho Freedom Foundation, because people like these are working hard to wake people up about how the good old boy network in Idaho is slowly but surely taking away our rights and liberties because they are in cahoots with organizations that seek to take a larger chunk of control over the state, over the nation, and over the world. So lately, we've seen some hit pieces, I would even call them smear pieces, on TV. They are working overtime to discredit people like McGee and Moon and the IF. And it's obvious to me that they realize that these people are threats to their power. And so they're going to attack whatever threatens their power base. We even have former supreme court justice jim jones from idaho is he's a kind of a ringleader in this he's one of the organizers of a group called take back idaho and i sometimes wonder if they want to take it back to when uh leftists were in charge of the state uh, he's making outright false statements about these people and i can prove that i'm not just saying that i can prove he's actually uh, making false statements now i run true idaho news and i have this radio show and i have the keep the republic tv show and i do not hide the fact that i report news from a constitutional conservative christian perspective it's the right thing to do well what you don't hear from the likes of these smear artists is that they're presenting the news from what amounts to a marxist socialist globalist perspective so we have to have honesty and transparency What I will tell you is that every time you tune into this show, or my TV show, or if you visit TrueIdahoNews.com, you are going to find truth. Because as a born-again Christian, I am accountable to a holy God who knows my every thought, every motive, and I don't just believe that, I know that. It's in First John 5:13, where he says, "I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. I know that God is within me, He knows my thoughts, He knows my heart, and I know I have to be speaking truth because I'm, I'm accountable to him for that." With me today in studio is Fred Birnbaum, the legislative director of the Idaho Freedom Foundation. And I've not asked him here to defend the IFF. I've asked him here because he also speaks truth, and I want him to share with this audience some of the things that are happening at the state house, because these are things that affect us. Before I bring Fred on, I do need to remind you that this show is sponsored by conservativesof.com. It's a grassroots conservative political action committee that supports constitutional conservative candidates. So if you want to help get constitutional conservative candidates elected, Visit com. click the Donate tab, and they're going to spend that money only on campaigns that help constitutional conservative candidates. All right, with me in studio, as I said, Fred Birnbaum, Legislative Director, Idaho Freedom Foundation. Fred, welcome to the show.
1: Good morning, Daniel, and thanks for having me again. Um, there's a lot to cover today, and uh, I'll try to cover everything that... Uh, really speaks to what you said in your opening about how the establishment is working against constitutional Christian conservatives and just anyone that believes in limited government. And I guess I'll start this by informing your listeners of something they might not realize, and that's how the process at the Capitol with the legislature works. And what do I mean by that? And I actually brought data, because that's what I always do when I come on your show, and Last year, 2021, of course, the session's not over yet, so that's why I don't have the data for this session. There were 958 pieces of legislation prepared, 268 changes, amendments, etc. So that's about 1,226 pieces of legislation. That's a lot. That is a lot. And in prior years, it, like the last six years, the low was 995, and of course, last year was a long session it was the most. Why does that matter? And of course, bill introductions is about half that, so about 660. But when you think about that many bills in a three-month session, what does that process mean? And what it means is that the leadership can push through bills that they want because there's so much swirl going on and there's not a lot of time for legislators to absorb everything. I mean, if you think about how many pages of legislation 660 bills are, how many pages that would be, and then you think about the code references and the calculations behind those, that's a lot to keep up with. I mean, you can divide that by the number of legislative days and you'd see it's huge. And often at this time of the session, they're voting on 10 to 20 bills a day And when I say a day, that's in a few hours because they usually come on at 10, they're done at noon, sometimes they come on in the afternoon. And so the process is very much top-down. Of course, legislators can introduce their own bills, but many of those don't go anywhere. And we've even heard, and you've probably reported, that bills get put in drawers. So we have a process where the leadership allows this huge panoply of bills and then Uh, Select ones can really get the emphasis, the leadership push, and the others can flounder or they can pass. And there's a lot of meaningful legislation, don't get me wrong, and there's about 100 bills tied to the budget. But this process makes it very difficult for the average legislator to stay on top of all, and these are many subjects, Mm -hmm. you know, everything from A to Z, you know, from abortion to the lottery to spending on the Hispanic Commission to public television. Nobody is a subject matter expert on everything. Right. So what what this process does is it gives the leadership, A, tremendous power, and B, the ability to really focus on what they want. And that's one of the reasons I think we're effective and why we're attacked, because through this, each session, we review each and every piece of legislation. We don't rate everyone, but we actually track every single bill, and we look at it, is this bill really a meaningful change or is it a technical correction? And then if it's meaningful and impactful piece of legislation, we, we rate it using our 12 metrics, and then we compile that on our freedom IdahoFreedom.org site, and of course we have a freedom index, and we score bills, and then from that uh, we develop a matrix, you know, a short matrix which basically describes the bill, so you don't have to read two hundred ratings. And I bring all this up because our critics say, "My gosh, you know, they're doing these ratings, and it's influencing legislation." And and of course for them it's fine for the leadership and the establishment to influence legislation. but they don't like us showing up and saying, well, this bill that you think is great really just expands government power, exp- everything that you say you're against, and meaning it grows government, it spends more money, and we're pointing that out. And in the past, because of the volume of bills and the fact that there wasn't a lot of time for legislators to really review every single one of the six to 1,200 bills in depth, they were able to make any claims they wanted. And Mm -hmm. and unless, you know, obviously false on its face, you know, you can, as a a politician, you can put the best face on anything, right? Sure. And that's really what was done. So for years, special interests, the establishment, they got what they want and there was no friction. By us reviewing these bills and pointing out many flaws, it's creating friction, Mm -hmm. it's creating pushback, and they don't like it.
0: It's creating some accountability. And, and maybe it, maybe yes. when they name their organization Take Back Idaho they want to take it back to when they didn't have that accountability.
1: Precisely. That's a very good summation. We're creating accountability and our rating system is very consistent with CPAC. So they do the American Conservative Union does a post-session rating of all 50 legislators. They also do Congress, mm-hmm. which is probably a thankless task. And so they don't just do Idaho, they do all the states. They only do about Thirty to forty bills. We do two to three hundred bills, hmm. and obviously we're focused on Idaho, and they're nationally focused. But the point is, our system, their system. There's also the American Prosperity uh, Fund does one. So there's some other ratings, and the ones that tend to be truly conservative, certainly ours, the American Conservative Union. We're very, we're very close, very close, and and so when the establishment claims that we're radical or far-right, they're basically just saying, we don't like being held accountable, Yeah, and we realize that we don't really measure up as conservatives, and so we have to call you names.
0: That's what they're saying. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that about the. there's so many bills that they can't keep track of them, and they're not subject matter experts. I remember approaching a legislator last year with, with information within a bill that that legislator had voted for and said, I'm kinda surprised at your vote on this bill because take a look at the content of this bill. And I pointed out some things and the the legislator looked and said, oh, I didn't know that was in there. Because you're right, they're voting on so many bills and there's so much to keep track of. I personally don't know how they do it. There's so much to keep track of. And yet, they are expected to be experts. That's why it's important to be involved and to write our legislators, especially if you know something about a bill. Contact your legislator, tell them that you're an expert on this particular content, and explain it to them why they should support or oppose it. They need that kind of input. They are representatives, they're not experts. They represent the, the people in the society to the legislative body.
1: So, I'd like to give you another example, Daniel, and, and maybe open uh, the eyes and ears of your listeners to another reality. It's been said over and over by the legislative leadership, and actually, senators U.S. senators Crapo and Risch, they came to the legislature, both bodies, and they sort of did a presentation. And said Idaho's great, you guys are a well-oiled machine. Um, Washington's dysfunctional, so they they had it half right. <laughs> Washington's clearly dysfunctional, and they pointed at to Idaho's consistently balanced budget, and and how remarkable this was when you c- contrasted it with the federal deficit and debt which of course is now 30 trillion with a t mm-hmm. but here's what they didn't say the last time the federal budget was balanced was 2001 and when the federal budget now it was balanced by using excess social security funds to fill mm. in the, the other operating holes but nevertheless it was considered balanced we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole too much but let's start with that year 2001 Idaho received 29.6%. We'll call it 30% of the funds appropriated from the federal government.
0: So you're saying Idaho's budget consisted of 30% of funds from the, from the federals.
1: That's exactly right. So there was about $3.6 billion appropriated, and about $1.067 came from the feds. Fast forward to 2021. We're still in 2022, so I can't give you the ending numbers, of course. In 2021, the total appropriation had gone from 3.6 to 10.229 billion, quite a jump. And 46% of the funds were now federal, from 30 to 46. So that means if on a percentage basis we were getting 1.6 billion more from the feds. So Idaho could not have balanced its budget if we hadn't taken all this federal money, which is increasingly borrowed federal money. So the federal government is borrowing money, shipping it to the states in spades during the whole COVID pandemic, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And now we're sort of cheerleading how great we are. Look, we've balanced the budget. We've balanced the budget on the back of borrowed federal dollars.
0: Our grandchildren's money.
1: Absolutely, and actually probably great, great grandchildren's money.
0: Well, something else that we need to realize is that with shekels come shackles. So if the federal government is giving us money, which is basically yours and my money and borrowed money, uh, they're bringing it with strings to say, if you take this money, you have to do these things. And I remember hearing even like in Nampa, Idaho, there was, I believe, an attorney there for the school district who, I want to say he spilled the beans. He said, we can't um, take away the mask issue because we took the federal money. In other words, we we took the federal money, therefore we have to do what the federal government says. And this is the danger of this. So we've increased over, you said, over 20 years. We've gone from 30% to 46% of our budget of our expenditures is coming from federal money. And people need to know that.
1: They they absolutely do. I'm going to give you some examples of strings. So the Medicaid program has swollen uh, back in 2001. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me on this, but... Medicaid was several hundred million dollars, perhaps around 500. Now it's 3.3 billion. And this year, that was 21. This coming fiscal year, the appropriation will be close to 4 billion. Wow. I mean, it's going up like a rocket ship. In 21 of the 3.3 billion, 2.3 was federal money. Well, what does that tell you? Medicaid is not sustainable without federal money which is increasingly borrowed, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in a position that if the federal government said, we've seen the light, however unlikely that is, and we're gonna balance our budget, they would have to reduce the amount of money they give to the states, and of course, Medicaid is the biggest single thing they give to the states. Nothing else comes close. And we wouldn't be able to fund Medicaid. We, don't, we would have to go to the Idaho taxpayer and, and say, you know that 1.9 billion surplus? Guess what? It's minus X because the federal government can't give us the lion's share of that two point three billion anymore.
0: Wow, wow, so um you're at the state House on a regular basis every day, actually. <laughs> you're down there. You're talking with legislators, uh, you're finding out what's really going on. Idaho Freedom Foundation is, as you say, a watchdog organization. They're getting the bad press. I, I mentioned the at the top of the show. And I didn't ask you, but did you want to address any of that? Sure.
1: I think there's a couple things that were put out that are just completely false by by the media. So we are a 5 Idaho Freedom Foundation's a 501c3. We have tax exempt nonprofit status from the IRS as does the ACLU and other leftist groups. And so people have said about us including the pro tem uh, Chuck Winder, the pro tem of the Senate you know, that we're a a political activity organization or something like that. We're engaging in political activity. But the IRS actually says in its regulations that nonprofits can lobby. They're lobbying limits. It's called an H election. So we are allowed to lobby just like Planned Parenthood lobbies and the ACLU lobbies, which doesn't seem to bother the Republican leadership. So we are allowed to lobby and influence legislation up to prescribed limits. And people forget they're only there three months. We're a 12-month operation. So they think that's all we do is influence legislation at the Capitol. We do tons of research on education issues, on fiscal issues, on state and county and local issues in the nine months when they're not around. And of course, they don't really think about that. So the quote-unquote lobbying that they talk about is not all what we do. In fact, it's a minority of our total work. So that's one thing that was wrong. The other thing that they they didn't, they don't really understand the difference between a C3 and a C4. And we have a sister organization, Idaho Freedom Action. So there's Idaho Freedom Foundation, which is a public policy oriented organization, mm-hmm. and Idaho Freedom Action, which is a social welfare organization. And the they they did interview there was an interview on KTVB and they did talk to one gentleman who seemed to get it right that you can have you know s- the same staff on both that's that's done in many places when mm-hmm. you have a small staff but they they made it sound like the only the C4 can lobby and that's actually not true they both can as i just mentioned earlier the other thing is they're very very clear Lines that we don't cross that people don't understand. So when when I say candidate Bobinski or Representative Bobinski is pro Second Amendment, if I say that, that's that's a if and if it's true because of your votes, that's a fact, or at least that's our opinion based on what we've seen you vote. If I do that close to an election, we actually file we we actually disclose the donations. So if I do if we do that within th- not even say vote for, but just actually mention your name in a positive or negative context. And we actually, if anything, we're stricter than the law requires, because we just assume any mention of a candidate 30 days before a primary or 60 before a general is electioneering. And we only do that with, you know, we do that with the C4, but we don't actually say vote for, vote against, support, opposed. I just think a lot of our critics, they don't really understand how the interplay of federal and state law works, and we do.
0: And, as you say, uh, they don't point those things out when people on the left do that, and they do that all the time, and to a much greater degree. Um, by the way, I saw that thing on Cape TVB, and I, and I thought, they didn't do a very good job. They just kind of tried to smear you. There was no factual evidence <laughs> to say that you're doing anything wrong. It was just trying to smear. And I found it hilarious, actually, that they interviewed uh, Chuck Winder. Like you said, he's the Senate pro tem. And um, they, they introduced him as conservative Chuck Winder. And I'm like, wait a minute, Chuck Winder gets an F. <laughs> he votes like a Democrat almost all the time. How they can call him a conservative, I have no clue. Uh, to my, in my opinion, and this is me saying this, not you. So I, I would just say this. In my opinion, the man needs to be replaced because he's not representing the people of his district even if he is a Senate pro tem. He's not representing the people of his district to the conservative values that they hold, and I know his district. So you bring
1: up an interesting point. If you looked at the voting records of many senators and certainly um, who are Republicans and also many members of the Idaho House who are Republicans, their voting records are not that different from Democrats except on on right-to-life issues and Second Amendment. But if you looked at... Chuck Winder's voting record on spending, it's almost identical. So he, he will pick and choose a couple of issues where he can call himself reasonably a conservative, certainly right to life and Second Amendment. But that is not the majority of what the legislature does. So we went and analyzed those 600 bills. And about 95% of what goes through the legislature, when you look at actual bills, is, are not social issues. Now, I think social issues, using that term, I don't necessarily like that, but just let's use that term to include um, abortion, gambling, liquor. I wouldn't call Second Amendment social issue, by the way, but all the ones we traditionally think of, abortion, liquor, gambling, that's about 5% of the legislation. And I would even include issues around transgender stuff So 90 to 95% of what they do are not tied to those issues. Now, I'm not saying good or bad. That's just the numbers. So how can you really be a conservative if you're only a conservative on 5% of the bills considered by the legislature?
0: For people who want to follow what's happening on the bills, you can go to the Idaho Freedom page and read about those things, uh, and they get their perspective. But you can also go to a website that True Idaho News helped create and uh, we brought some technicians on board, and, and we put together a system called IdahoSession.com. So if you go to, like, the Idaho legislative page, it's kind of hard to find bills. They make it kind of difficult, I think. It's cumbersome. You spend a lot of time there tracking it down. You can go to IdahoSession.com, and it's all right there. We Every day gets updated daily, and you can find bills real simple, and you can find out who's on the different committees, who's supporting, who's voting. All the contact information is there. You can find out uh, where, where it's at in the system, how to contact the uh, legislators who are voting on those bills in the committee, and make an impact. So that, this is kind of what we're about here, is trying to get people involved in Keep the Republic, is get involved in Keep the Republic. Uh, Fred, what else is happening that you think, is, are, we've only got a few minutes left, what else is happening that our listeners need to know?
1: Well, um, a couple of things. There are going to be some important fights. The Joint Finance and Appropriation Committee yesterday Uh, voted for a motion to send a college budget to the floor, and this budget does nothing to address critical race theory, social justice, all the left-wing ideology that's still going on in college campuses. You'll hear more about that from us, but um, I do just want to say one thing about our Freedom Index, because all the bills that we rate go there, and it's idahofreedom.org, and then you can see drop-down menus for our Freedom Index and we have a Spending Index and Education Index. I think there's still going to be a big fight coming on property taxes. There's a piece of legislation to actually raise the sales tax as a vehicle to lower the property tax. It hasn't been introduced yet. Um, We don't think it's a very sound idea. The reasoning behind it is they just don't want to cut spending. So they just want to do a shift, they being the leadership. And that, I think, is going to appear in the next couple of days. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, there's always a lot of bills that leadership tries to sneak through in the final weeks of the session when everyone is tired and the bills accumulate. Right. So I think conservatives really need to focus very closely on what bills are emerging, which one get the support from leadership. And one, that's one of the services IFF provides with our Freedom Index. We, every single day, we comb the uh, bill list and we look at everything and then we scrutinize the ones that really are impactful. And we're doing that now and literally it's something that our bill raters, they stay up till midnight hours every night because that's what it takes because the bills aren't put out and that are read across the desk In the morning until the afternoon, and then they're often considered the next day Hmm. in committees.
0: And that's not supposed to be that way, but that's what's happening. Fred Birnbaum, thank you much for joining me in studio.
1: Daniel, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, We have uh, lots of things that people can do. In fact, later today, this is Saturday morning, and later today at Harvest Church in Meridian— is a Faith and Freedom Fest from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, and we're going to have uh, Janice McGeehan speaking, and uh, Dorothy Moon is speaking, and Priscilla Giddings is speaking, and Dr. Ryan Cole is speaking, and yours truly is speaking, and we have other speakers as well. It's only $5 to attend. It's unbelievably inexpensive. But also there's going to be some tables there with different conservative organizations that you can find out what's happening in the Valley, in the state, so that you can plug in. Find a place where you have a passion and connect with people so you can help make a difference to Keep the Republic. Uh, this is Keep the Republic. You can also hear the Keep the Republic TV show every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Mountain Time at uh, Brightion.tv. You can also find that on the Roku channel, the Brightion TV Roku channel. And that is a live show. That's me hosting people talking about issues, sometimes in Idaho, sometimes at a national level. And if you want to hear any of the past shows here on uh, KBXL, you can go to 941thevoice.com. They've got one of the best radio websites out there. And just click on the uh, archives tab and look for Keep the Republic, and you can listen to past shows uh, that we've recorded here. Now, um, if you want to stay involved, stay involved. Get, come to some of these sessions. Uh, come, you can go down to the state House anytime. You can go to this conference this afternoon. You can plug in and and find out what's happening at our uh, monthly Liberty Dinners. Go to trueidahonews.com slash events to find out when the next Liberty Dinner is going to be. It's going to be April 5th. And our speaker, April 5th, is going to be uh, Raul Labrador, who is a candidate for State Attorney General. You'll be able to hear him and get a delicious dinner to boot. With that, I want to say thank you much for tuning in. My name is Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to Keep the Republic. If you'd like to support this broadcast and help fund Christian conservative candidates, visit conservativesof.com. Also, please pray for our republic and for godly men and women who will work to keep it.